You're listening to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, your daily podcast on the National Football League, powered by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show. Matt Williamson still on vacation. Brian Peacock with you here, and I have a fantastic guest to break down the New Orleans Saints, host of Locked On Saints, Ross Jackson. He also hosts one of the days of our old Locked On NFL podcast that you should probably still be subscribed to and listening to every day. So a familiar voice to those of you who still listen to Locked On NFL every day, Ross Jackson, joining me here at BD Peacock is where you can find me on Twitter. Shout out Matt. Wish him fun on his journey back home at Williamson NFL, and he'll be back tomorrow. We'll hit some of your questions, and we will continue with another Twitter Tuesday next week. We did not have one this week, so my apologies. I did see some questions out there. Some folks were wondering, where's Twitter Tuesday? It's coming back this coming Tuesday. So hit us on Twitter, at BD Peacock, at Williamson NFL for that. Joining me today is Ross Jackson. He does so much for the Locked On Podcast Network on Twitter, at Ross Jackson Nola, and I forgot what all of your titles are now with the network. What is your official <laughs> title when it comes to the Locked On Podcast Network? So my official title with Locked On is Partnerships Manager, but that expands mm. from me being Partnerships Manager as well as NFL and NCAA Channel Coordinator and the host of Locked On Saints as well as the Tuesday host of Locked On NFL. Yes. So the work I see you do is as the NFL Channel Coordinator and... Mm-hmm. Um, the other stuff that you do, I'm sure, is very important. I just don't see what it is, and right. I don't interact <laughs> with you in that <laughs> capacity very often. So I thank you for that work that you do managing those partnerships, though. Hey, no, man. My absolute pleasure. You guys make it really easy, so I appreciate everything uh, I get to be a part of here. I consider myself very fortunate to be here along with you and Matt and everybody else here across the network. Matt will be back tomorrow, folks. So if you're missing Matt, don't worry. He'll be back uh, on tomorrow's episode. But today I want to talk with Ross about the Saints, obviously, as he's the host of Locked On Saints, but a couple other NFL topics. And uh, Ross, I don't know if you are someone who loves the draft process as much as I do, but I've actually never been to Mobile, never been to the Senior Bowl, but I have once been to the Shrine Game. I think mm-hmm. this was like 2004 when it was held in San Francisco at then at and Park, where the San Francisco Giants play. So it was really odd to see a football game in that pure baseball stadium. It was actually a really cool environment, and it was a lot of fun for you. But that's the only college all-star game I've ever been to. And for someone who covers the draft as close as I do, you'd think I'd been to the Senior Bowl because it's such an awesome event, but I have not. But I'm getting excited about this news of the Shrine game moving to Las Vegas, according to Adam Schefter. The game will be Thursday, February 3rd, in prime time on NFL Network. So I love this. Mm. Maybe get the East-West game a little bit back up on the map because it's fallen off the last decade or so. It used to be you know, a place where you could find a lot of really good day three NFL, yeah. or even back then it was day two NFL prospects when the draft was only two days long. But, I mean, back-to-back, go Mobile, go... Or actually, the Mobile, the, the Senior Bowl's actually changed too. So you got to go Shrine yep. Bowl first, then... Then you go Senior Bowl, then you go Mm -hmm. Super Bowl. Maybe I'll hit all three this year. Who knows? 
Yeah, absolutely. No, I mean, there's such a blast. I am the opposite. I've not done the Shrine Bowl before, but understand the importance of the Shrine Bowl, not only from the extent of it being an all-star game and putting some of these guys on the map and helping to raise some of their draft stock even, but it also gives them opportunities to uh, be a part of some really good community work that they do throughout the Shrine Bowl as well, which is equally as important. Uh, to the on-field stuff they do, the off-field things that they do. I have been, however, to the Senior Bowl, which, of course, is an absolute blast. This past year was a little different, of course, with everything being as it was, but even still, they put together uh, Dave Rogers, uh, uh, Nagy over there, everybody doing such a wonderful job at making sure that everybody was able to uh, still participate in the Senior Bowl and help to uh, raise the stock of some of these draft guys. And and again, you know, I, I do love the draft process, but again, it, it does give you more than just what's on the field because they also go through financial and career preparation, learning how to budget, having conversations about, you know, what it's like to transition into the NFL guys like Tyron Matthew coming to visit those players to kind of talk them through a little bit of that transitionary period going from college to the pros. It's really important stuff on and off the field. And they're, uh, I'm glad that the profile of those continue to get raised. And the Senior Bowl this year also adds the HBCU Combine the week before, which is going to be a lot of fun as well. Yeah, that's crazy. So, well, Ross, get to work and maybe you can manage a partnership with a hotel and get all of the Locked On hosts together. That's right. And we can have a big <laughs> meetup now that the world is opening back up. And that'll be a lot of fun. I think that'll be a huge event. And nice, whether it's in Mobile or Las Vegas for a bunch of hosts to get together maybe and hang out because I still have not hung out with you in person and I would like to uh, maybe break a little bread and break a little beer actually with yeah. Ross Jackson. And you can, you know what I'd love to do, Ross, is go with you to New Orleans and you can show me where the, the correct oh. gumbo is because apparently That's the what I made was soup <laughs> and not gumbo. That was soup, buddy. Sorry, man. Yeah. No, listen, um, Gumbo Twitter is a, a ruthless Twitter. It is a ruthless corner of Twitter. Um, but yeah, man, absolutely. All of that would be great. You know, over in Mobile, there's the uh, the bar Veeps there, which, you know, everybody's stories are from Veeps and, you know, the people that they bump shoulders with and had conversations with and everything. So maybe we'll get a little locked on takeover over at Veeps. We'll get a nice one at a bar in uh, Las Vegas somewhere, too. And you and I will carve out some time for a New Orleans trip. How about that? Yeah, I always get jealous. I see everybody's shrimp cocktail and they're like, oh, yeah, I was sitting <laughs> next to uh, GM of so and so team and they, they always show up photo of this crazy shrimp cocktail so i gotta get that's right that. <laughs> all right let's talk about those new orleans saints ross and um this is an interesting team in transition right now but the roster is still fantastic besides what's going on at quarterback but we have to start at quarterback because drew Brees yeah. is obviously officially retiring now and Taysom hill Jameis winston if you believe Taysom hill is going to be a starting quarterback I'm not buying that yet I still think he's going to be a gadgety player with Jameis Winston being the quarterback um and I, and I want to ask you about those things but first I'd like to talk a little bit about Drew Brees and what the Saints might be missing there because I think fans around the league know that Drew Brees has been a great quarterback a you know a, a easy hall of fame quarterback and mm -hmm. even with his arm falling off, his arm didn't literally fall off. It was right. declining, I should say. <laughs> Use my choice of words there. Drew Brees did not lose an arm, folks. Don't get, don't get worried. Um, Drew Brees' sort of you know arm strength tailing off at the end of his mm -hmm. career and maybe not making some of the throws he made when he was younger. I don't think fans really understand how important the mind of Drew Brees was to the Saints offense, getting into the right plays, everything that goes into being a leader and being the quarterback of that team even if his arm was just a noodle by the end, like how much impact are the Saints going to lose with Drew Brees moving on? 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's an interesting thing because this has been an offense that hasn't been reliant upon the deep ball over the past three. You could even maybe go back four seasons, but I would argue that in 2017, 2018, he was still kind of there uh, and able to deliver the ball deep, and that was still a little bit more a part of their game plan. But I think where you're going to end up missing him the most is watching his mind operate on the field. I mean, this is a guy that has helped to develop the system in new orleans and they would you know he and sean payton would have their dot days where they would sit down and really go into detail about what the game plan was going to be he would show up with you know a a certain selection of plays that he felt like were going to work against this opponent and you know he oftentimes called plays during two minute drills it's going to be all of those things the sort of mental capacity for the game that i think you're going to notice very quickly that the new orleans saints have and that's or are going to be missing and that's not a knock to Taysom hill or Jameis winston i'm not calling either of them unintelligent it's just that Jameis winston excuse me drew Brees was so far ahead of anyone in his class in terms of understanding the mental part of this game that you're gonna notice the drop-off you'll notice it in terms of ball placement you'll notice it in terms of communication between receiver and quarterback and the understanding of what coverage they're seeing versus how the receiver should change their route or when a receiver should be somewhere. Because let's not forget that Drew Brees, you know, we we talk about his arm strength all the time, but he was also a six-foot quarterback, which isn't always a really successful situation to have in the NFL. And so a lot of his throws were spot throws. It was, I know where to place this ball. I know where you're going to be. Those two things kind of those things kind of come together at the catch point. And so a lot of that just came down to routine, came down to knowledge, came down to communication and leadership and just sort of this expectation of excellence, time on task, as Drew Brees called it, was something that he was never afraid to invest in and help to develop relationships so that everybody was on the same page around him. I think those things take a little bit more time in the first year of a transitionary period out of a Hall of Fame quarterback and into either one of these quarterbacks who do have big question marks going into 2021. The Ian Book era is what you're trying to say. Uh, well, you know, I wasn't going to I was going to name it specifically for 2021, but it's, okay. it's a possibility for 2022. Right. Like, I mean, there's there's a real situation to where everything that we talk about with Drew Brees, Ian Book has a little bit of that in him in terms of his mental capacity for the game. He doesn't have the biggest arm. He's a little bit shorter. He's all those things. He's a lot more mobile, right? But I think that, you know, uh, there's uh, there's something to be said and not counting Ian Book out as at least getting an opportunity at some point with this New Orleans Saints team. So Ian Book probably not going to be the guy in 2021 drew Brees yep. will not be the guy in 2021 let's talk Taysom hill let's talk Jameis winston the rest of that saints offense and is this still a team that can go out there and win a division against the reigning super bowl champs no nfl games to bet on but nba playoffs are happening and are super fun especially when you've got a little extra on the line major league baseball every day all summer long all your sporting needs, odds, latest news at betonline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action at Bet Online. This is your chance to get into the game. NBA playoffs, there's triple crown, horse racing, golf majors happening, the PGA Championship. And not just sports, by the way, a ton of other things to get involved with at Bet Online. There is table games, poker, blackjack even reality TV and award shows to bet on. Head to the website or use your device to sign up today. Receive your 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit with promo code locked on. That is promo code locked on at betonline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. 
All right, Taysom Hill or Jameis Winston? What are we even talking about here? Because I haven't seen Taysom Hill play for real, for real quarterback enough to think that he could be that starting NFL guy for an NFL team. And I've seen Jameis Winston play a lot of bad starting NFL quarterback, but he's had some LASIK surgery on his eyes. He's had some time to be around Drew Brees and Sean Payton. What, what are we looking at? What are we even talking about with these two quarterbacks? What do you expect from them? And who do you expect to be the guy for the Saints in week one? Yeah, I mean, look, I'll be right up front and tell you right away. My expectation is that Jameis Winston will be the starting quarterback for the New Orleans Saints in 2021. That's my expectation. However, this is a legitimate quarterback competition between the two of them. Jameis Winston has legitimate NFL starting experience, not all of it pretty, as you as you just referenced. And then also uh, Taysom Hill, the organization, Sean Payton, they absolutely love him. So both of these guys, for different reasons that are going to intersect in this quarterback competition, that is absolutely legitimate. I mean, either one of these guys can walk out of camp, walk into camp, walk out of the preseason, whatever it is that they decide to make that decision, which will be different than the time that they decide to announce it. I can almost assure you of that. Um, that, that That's going to be sort of what you're going to have to watch for over the course of this offseason, that they both will come into this and have a true shot at the starting, starting quarterback position. But for me, as of right now, here in July, before camp has begun, my expectation is that it's going to be Jameis Winston. Two things that the New Orleans Saints covet in their players in terms of intangibles, NFL experience, which I guess you could probably argue is actually a tangible, and also uh, confidence. And Jameis Winston has both of those over what Taysom Hill has to offer at this time with only four NFL starts. At times, maybe Winston a little too confident with where he's, he's trying to fit the ball in some cases. And I really think that Sean, Baton, or Sean Payton has an opportunity to sort of hedge a little bit because if you choose James Winston as your starting quarterback you can still play Taysom Hill if Taysom Hill rolls out there on the first play of the game he's going to stay out there and he's your quarterback so I wonder if Peyton might look at this and say you know I can use both guys and have a little bit more fun here rather than just going with one and sitting the other unless James Winston is just a complete disaster yeah absolutely and this is one thing that we've always heard them talk about with the New Orleans Saints. And I think we hear across many NFL franchises, particularly franchises like I would even say the San Francisco 49ers, as well as the New Orleans Saints, that focus on positionlessness or let's call it more appropriately position versatility. They want to get the most talented 11 players on the field at the, at the same time. And Taysom Hill, with you know all intents and purposes, as somebody that is a pass catcher, that is a running back, that is a blocker, and that can throw the football, he is one of the most talented players in the top 11 when it comes to the 11 people that you can put out on offense. And of course, you also narrow that down when you subtract five offensive linemen and a quarterback from that equation. And so I think that if you look at Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill, both as talented in their own respects, it makes a lot of sense for both of them to be able to be out on the field. In order for that to happen, Jameis Winston has to be the quarterback. It doesn't mean that you never see Taysom Hill take snaps because you most certainly will on third downs and in the red zone. There's absolutely no doubt about that. But I do think that there is something to be said in that if the goal is to get the most talented players out on the field at the same time for the New Orleans Saints, especially after losing Emmanuel Sanders and Jared Cook, who combined for over 100 targets on that offense, Taysom Hill being on the field with Jameis Winston makes a lot of sense. So looking at the guys who will be the target hogs now, Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas, does mm-hmm. going from Breeze to either Hill or Winston hurt their production? Are they going to lean on the, those guys even more? Are we going to see more than Slant Boy from 
Michael Thomas. Is there a situation where you're drafting these guys on your fantasy teams, Ross? Yeah, I mean, look, I I tend to kind of go against the grain here, just having a closer look than maybe what you might pick up on, you know, the the other some other like wider focus perspectives. So a lot of folks look at Taysom Hill over those four games and say, ah, he never targeted Alvin Kamara, which is true for the first three. But then in the final game against the Philadelphia Eagles, he actually targeted Alvin Kamara 10 times in that game. He was in double digits there. Uh, and the other part of it, too, is that I, I look at the fact that this is still Sean Payton's team and this is still Sean Payton's system. So regardless of whichever of these quarterbacks is going to be there, it's still going to be a majority conservative offense that looks to operate close to the line of scrimmage, utilize short, the short passing game as an extension of the run game. But now you might see all of that work close to the line of scrimmage and in the run game set up some deeper passes with both of these guys who each have stronger arms than Drew Brees, uh, Jameis Winston exponentially more so. So I think that when you look at what each of these quarterbacks brings, it's a little bit of a disservice to say, oh, Taysom Hill coming in at quarterback means that Alvin Kamara won't be a part of the game plan. Because in order for Taysom Hill to win the starting quarterback competition, he has to prove that Alvin Kamara will be a part of the game plan. Alvin Kamara is the best player on this team. That's maybe, maybe you can make the argument outside of Michael Thomas over on the offensive side, but I like Michael Thomas coming off of a high ankle sprain, which tend to linger. So I think if you look at that, you also look at the fact that um, Jameis Winston has targeted outside receivers since before the 2019 season, at least 47.1% of the time, which made him the second most uh, in terms of quarterbacks that are second highest in terms of quarterbacks that target those outside receivers since 2009, even though he didn't show up until six years after that count started. And then you also look at Taysom Hill, who targeted Michael Thomas 37 times over the course of those four games, almost 10 times per game. I think either one of them, you're going to see a lot of opportunity and a lot of passes being thrown in Michael Thomas's direction. And in order for Taysom Hill even to win that quarterback competition, Alvin Kamara has to be a part of the game plan. So I do think that there is some value in investing in those two guys, but I wouldn't really go much deeper than that. Ross, where the heck did the Saints get enough money to re-up Ryan Ranchick and give him a, a huge contract <laughs> with all the cap troubles that they've been in? And it was kind of doom and gloom with the New Orleans Saints and post-Drew Brees. They're going to have to take a ton of hits and, and lose a bunch of players. They haven't lost anybody. They didn't lose Kamara. They didn't lose Ramchek. And uh, I just there's just no limit to what Mickey Loomis can do, right? Yeah, Mickey Loomis, and, and I want to make sure I give a shout-out, too, to Kai Harley, who is the uh, uh, vice president of football administration, who's really sort of their capologist, if you will. Um, those guys, I mean, where did they get the money? They got the money from themselves in the future. That, that's, the real, okay. that's the real answer to it, right? Because they're restructuring these contracts. You're kicking cans down the road, all that. But there's a, there's a real argument here that eventually it might become a problem, but it might become another GM's problem by the time that it actually becomes an issue. And especially with the salary cap expected to rise over the course of the next couple of seasons with a new TV deal and things like that, I wouldn't be surprised to see the New Orleans Saints to come out unscathed uh, later on down the line. 2022, though, can put a little bit of pressure on them because they're already over $20 million over the 2022 salary cap ceiling, which is set at just over $208 million, and they don't even have 40 players on the roster yet. For next season so it's going to be a little bit challenging for them there but i promise you they will just continue to restructure continue to kick the can down the road 
and continue to do it. Um, they've done a really good job here over the course of this offseason because not only did they retain their core, they also franchise tagged a safety uh, that they're paying now $10.6 million, and they have just a few days to get his extension done if they want to get him on a long-term deal. And they also held on to uh, two players on fifth-year options and added another fifth-year option for next year as well. So they've continued to be able to operate freely despite the fact that they were nearly $110 million over the salary cap by the time the new league year began. Oh, yeah. I want to talk a little bit about Marcus Williams playing on that franchise tag and a couple of other interesting defenders there on that Saints unit. But let's finish up the offensive side of the ball here. Can you talk to me about a couple of second year guys that I liked a lot in the draft? Adam Troutman and Cesar Ruiz. If I'm not mistaken, Mm. both to a certain degree were somewhat disappointing in their rookie seasons. And I know the, the Saints traded a bunch to go up and get Troutman at the end of round three and basically we're like look let's just end our draft here because we want a tight end and Troutman's the the best one left he's the guy we like so let's go get him uh, how has that worked out so far for them and Cesar Ruiz is he going to be a stalwart at, at right guard now for the Saints yeah so let me start at Cesar Ruiz because Cesar Ruiz I think was a little bit more the disappointment quote-unquote than Adam Troutman was because the expectation for Adam Troutman was to come in and be a good blocker his first year and he absolutely did that so I think when it comes to Cesar Ruiz, there was a little bit of a kind of jumble here because he was there was only about, what, a three-week training camp last year. He was injured for half of it, and then for the half of it that he was a part, that he was able to be a part of, he split that half into essentially quarters, spending half of that time with the, at the center position and the other half at the right guard position, and then started off the season kind of being rotated in and out sometimes with Nick Easton. He really started to pick up at that right guard spot toward the end of the season, which is good because you want him to pick up from that point and continue to move forward. I can say that his focus here over the course of this offseason with a little bit more of a, I guess we can call it normal, but at least like more familiar offseason and training camp process is that he's focused on right guard. And right guard only. That's what he wants to do. He he is or not even what he wants. That's what the team's asking him to do. They're not moving Eric McCoy from center. Eric McCoy has been too excellent at that spot. So Cesar Ruiz expected to have a bit of a bounce back season here. It's almost as if this is really the first season for him. As for Adam Troutman, he came in, didn't have a ton of production, had just over 170 yards, if I remember correctly, uh, receiving didn't come in and do a ton. He was also behind two, sometimes even three tight ends earlier on in the season. So now he's the top tight end in this receiver room or in this tight end room, and he'll be the the main pass catching attraction out of the tight end room, unless the Saints surprise and add another tight end at some point here over the course of the offseason. So he's definitely one that I would keep an eye out on from the fantasy perspective. I wouldn't invest in him just yet, but he'd definitely be somebody that I would keep on a watch list, if nothing else. Uh, and I think that he he can be for the New Orleans Saints, what they've been searching for and what they sort of had a bit in Jared Cook, particularly the 2019 season, as they've tried to resurrect that tight end position from days past of Jimmy Graham. Ross, let's talk defense and let's talk about where this Saints team should finish in the NFC South. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes, models, it is now impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning? And wait while the counterman orders the parts on his computer. You can't see what he's looking at. He's looking at this screen, choosing the only brand his warehouse happens to carry. Then you got to come back and wait for the part to even get there. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket with an endless supply of everything you need for your vehicle. I'm always blown away at how much they have in stock at rockauto.com. 
Com. Why would you choose to spend 30, 50, even 100% more for the exact same auto parts at a chain store or a new car dealership? Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. RockAuto.com's prices are always the same for everybody and are always reliably low. Just let them know that Locked On sent you. Write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Starting to realize that there's no bad time to enjoy a built bar. It's how I started my day today. Did not have a lot of time before I had to hit record and get working. If you are low on time, you want a healthy snack. You need to replace a quick meal, maybe. You can't do much better than a low-sugar, low-calorie, high-protein, high-fiber snack that tastes awesome. And to make it even tastier, I'll tell you how you can get 15% off your next box of Built Bars. Built Bars are great for the health-conscious folks out there. Uh, lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. It's a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. And even great for a keto diet. That peanut butter flavor, 19 grams of protein, only 180 calories and 5 grams of sugar. Cookies and cream, 17 grams of protein, only 130 calories and 4 grams of sugar. So go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off. That's LOCKED15 for 15% off your next box of Built Bars at BuiltBar.com. All right, Ross, a lot of familiar names when it comes to the New Orleans Saints defense. Cam Jordan continues to be somewhat timeless. Dude was drafted in, what, uh, 2010? 2011. 2011? Yeah, and yeah. just been so rock solid. Like You uh, just can count on that guy bringing it. Every game, every year, they did draft some competition there, probably more so for Marcus Davenport than Jordan uh, or Cameron Jordan. Uh, Jordan Cameron, Cameron Jordan. I, I, I do that almost all the time. There was a little while, too, which were one season a couple years back. It was in the 2015, 2016, sometime around there, to where they were in talks with uh, Jordan Cameron, oh, and just... we were all prepared for that to just be absolutely hellacious. You can't do that. They were just screwing with the media at that point. You cannot bring in Jordan Cameron to uh, the, a locker room that already has Cameron Jordan. Uh, but <laughs> Peyton Turner was brought in to compete along the edge. A bit of a surprising draft pick to a lot of folks. Let's just uh, yeah. focus there on the defensive line. Uh, Shy Tuttle inside, Onyamata inside, who's been a really nice player that nobody really talks about, but Peyton Turner, how does he fit in? Is it somebody that you were surprised that the Saints drafted late in round one? Yeah, I mean, I was. I, I thought that the Saints would maybe go, I think at that time, yeah, at that time, Jeremiah Wusukoromoa was still on the board. I knew they had a need at the linebacker position after getting such great play out of Quan Alexander for seven weeks before his injury. I thought maybe they would, you know, go for one of those sort of smaller hybrid style coverage linebackers, which wasn't entirely what Quan Alexander was, but he did bring you that coverage linebacker style for sure. And so I thought maybe that's where they would lean a little bit, but then they decide to go with Peyton Turner here. And I understand why. I mean, you look at this, this defensive line that lost Sheldon Rankins, Malcolm Brown, as well as Trey Hendrickson, who had 13 and a half sacks last season. He's now a Cincinnati Bengal. So when you look at what they lost there, they lost three of the guys that were in the top six in terms of defensive line snap counts in 2000. And 20. So there's a lot of snaps there available for more guys on the defensive line, particularly at the edge rusher position where Trey Hendrickson actually got more snaps than some of his, some of the other folks around him. 
So I do think that the rotation of Peyton Turner or the rotation that's available to Peyton Turner uh, will give him an opportunity to at least have some production. I don't have much expectation for him his first year. Let's not forget we just talked about Cam Jordan. Cam Jordan came in and had one sack his first year. Right. So I think that the first year may be a little bit of an adjustment period for him. He still has some development to do, but he has a pretty good and extensive uh, sort of list, if you will, of pass rushing moves. Just needs to develop a better plan. He's long. So there's some body control things. Ryan Nielsen, defensive line coach and assistant head coach, though, really good at working with those exact uh, the issues. So I think that those will all be things that will come together for Peyton Turner over time. But I wouldn't be surprised if he starts to pan out a little bit early and you start to see uh, him, you know, get getting pressure and, and winning at the defensive line to see him maybe even eclipse Marcus Davenport by the end of the season in terms of snap counts because of how the rotation could favor him in terms of his usage. Yeah, Peyton Turner is one of those guys that you should never be surprised that type of player goes at the end of round right. one, even though every year you get surprised by somebody. And uh, there was another one even after Peyton Turner that got drafted late in round one that people were kind of scratching their heads uh, that was selected by Tampa Bay, oh, but Tryon, yeah, yeah, Tryon, and yeah. Uh, you know, good prospects. But it's like, man, okay, you're just gonna go ahead and take him in the first round. And when you're six mm-hmm. five and two hundred sixty five pounds, and you've got seventy uh, eighth percentile vertical jump, thirty half, thirty five and a half inches. He was ninetieth percentile hand size, ninety fourth percentile arm length. With just these massively long arms. When you just fit that physical prototype and when most teams have only about you know 18 or 20 players that are quote-unquote actual first rounders you get to the end of round one it's like just give me one of these freaks that there's not that many of these dudes walking the earth and let's see if we can coach them up yeah oftentimes you you draft the traits right you draft the traits that give you what you believe is the best player at the bottom of the first round and the saints have done that extensively ryan ramchek was that there were a lot of conversations around Ryan Ramchek not wanting to play football around his injury history, things like that. And the saints liked his traits. They liked what they, they saw in him. They drafted him as a left tackle out of Wisconsin, moved him to a right tackle. And now four years later, here he is the highest paid right tackle in NFL history. So I'm not saying that's going to happen exactly that way for Peyton Turner. Right. But <laughs> nice. I think that the, the proven style of that draft or excuse me, but the proven success of that draft style, is to uh, draft the traits that you think are going to give you the best player that's available on the board, and that's tended to work out for New Orleans. Especially traits at impact positions like offensive tackle and edge rusher. I mean, you just Mm -hmm. can't go wrong, and every team needs more of those types of players. For sure, for sure, and they've done a really great job at finding that. Talk to me about Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. I love this guy and CD Deuce, whatever he's, he'll probably change his name again at some point in training camp. Let me know <laughs> what that new name is, but he's just uh, got, he's, he's, he's got his own style. He could be used anywhere. Is he someone that could take over from Marcus Williams? If he plays out his contract and moves on at free safety, uh, is he a strong safety? Is he a slot corner? Is he all of the above? And do yeah. the saints just want to keep him in that sort of a role where he's not defined and they can use him anywhere? Yeah, I kind of feel like you can refer to C.J. Gardner-Johnson in the same way you talk about Taysom Hill as just being a football player. The guy just loves the game. And Mm -hmm. so you put him wherever, and he'll find a way to do it. But I know that he absolutely loves working in the slot. He loves being close to the line of scrimmage. Getting uh, uh, Brandon Olson of Locked on Gators said, getting mixy in the slot. And I think that's exactly what (laughs) what Chauncey (laughs) Gardner-Johnson is good for, for sure. But, I mean, you talk about, we were just talking about these guys that, the Saints have drafted over the course of time for traits, despite what negative narratives may be around him. C.J. Garner-Johnson was a guy that was considered a fringe first rounder on some boards, a first rounder, and he dropped all the way down to outside the top 100 
to the fourth round in the New Orleans yeah, Saints draft him it. at a time where they didn't they had no need for a safety at that time. And this is what he he has turned into. And now, uh, after everything that he has done here over the course of the last few seasons, where you know he has developed uh, over these last two years, now he's ready to step into a leadership role. And all of a sudden, his attitude is nowhere near what anybody assumed it was with all the rumors that are floating around about him with attitude issues, quote unquote, coming out of the draft. And then you look at his usage in 2020, he spent over uh, 300, over 400 actually snaps in the slot, was targeted 77 times, most out of any safety or any uh, corner that played in the slot over 250 defensive snaps. And so he was targeted the most. And because of that, he was also targeted the most per snap. And you look at his what he allowed, six lowest passer rating, seventh lowest in terms of yards per route run or yards per snap. I mean, he was really, really remarkable over the course of 2020. And I think he'll take another step forward in 2021. Hard to say that he'll break out because he's already kind of started that process. But certainly his ability to step into a leadership role and everything that he's doing so far to bring the younger guys along will put him in that situation. I like that you asked about him potentially being somebody that could step in in place of Marcus Williams, because that is a little bit more of his mold. If he were to play safety was to be a little bit more of a rangy guy, that star position in Florida asked so much of him to do all these different things. And so right now you're seeing him in the slot. But if I was going to put him in any safety position, that's exactly what I would save him for as opposed to replacing uh, Michael, uh, excuse me, Malcolm Jenkins uh, in the box as sort of the box safety, sort of strong safety look because of what his uh, tenacity is able to do over on the defensive side. You mentioned linebacker and Owusu Koromoa that did not quite make it. I mean, I was surprised, too, that, that he yeah. got to the second round period, let alone all the way to 52 to the Cleveland Browns. And there's some injury concerns there. Mm-hmm. Um, and he darn near made it all the way to the Saints, who ended up drafting about eight picks later. Linebacker out of Ohio State, Pete Werner. Uh, Wisconsin Badger, Zach Bond, last year in the draft at linebacker. So sort of a remade group there. Really strong defensive line, really strong secondary. Uh, and now it looks like with some young talent added to Demario Davis, they're potentially really strong at all three levels of the Saints defense. Yeah, they can get there. Uh, Pete Werner is a really interesting one because he's somebody that comes in as being good at a lot of things, but not necessarily the master of, you know, he's kind of a master of none, jack of all trades. I guess like those are all the cliches I can throw at it. Um, he's somebody that defends the run very well. He's also a great pressure player from the second level as a blitzer, takes his angles really well, uh, pursues extremely well, is able to move and bend with, you know, uh, 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 running backs in the backfield as well as quarterbacks that might be a little bit more athletic. And he's somebody that can carry a tight end up the seam as well. So I think all those things are, are things that you want to pair next to Demario Davis over on defense. I personally think that Pete Werner is the most pro ready prospect that they drafted in the 2021 NFL draft, understanding that Peyton Turner needs some time to develop and Paulson Adebo, who they took in the third round out of Stanford is somebody that hasn't played football since November of 2019. So he might need a little bit more time to settle in and get used to the NFL speed. I think Pete Werner and eventually Zach Bond after they're done sort of, this is really kind of a first season for Zach Bond as well. Kind of like I mentioned with Cesar Ruiz, because he's changing positions to off ball linebacker after being an edge rusher at Wisconsin. I think both these guys can pan out to be very good, but I have a lot of confidence in what Pete Werner can be pretty quickly. I'm glad you mentioned the Paulson Adebo third round pick mm-hmm. corner. That was a fantastic selection. I think oh. by the saints there um, looking at the NFC South last one for you here, Ross, and really appreciate you joining me um, looking at obviously the Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They brought everybody back. They have to be the, the odds on favorite, not only in the NFC South, but maybe in the entire NFC 
Where do you think mm-hmm. the Saints fit in in this division? Is it realistic for them to be saying, you know, we're going to go out and we're going to win the division, or is this a team that's maybe just going to try to sneak in to the playoffs at this point as they transition into life without Drew Brees? Yeah, I think it is a little bit more the latter, and and I don't mind saying that at all. I think for the Saints, this is an opportunity here to where you get an opportunity to really take stock of what you have and what the future looks like with this organization, but to be able to do it while also still competing and winning. I think this is a team that should be considered a playoff contender. It just shouldn't have the Super Bowl contention reputation that it's had before in the past, especially in a division where you have a Sam Darnold-led Carolina Panthers team and an Atlanta Falcons team that still hasn't really addressed its defensive woes and maybe is hoping that players returning from injury will help there and just traded away Julio Jones, by the way, as well. Right. And so I think think with all of that, it's hard to not look at the New Orleans Saints as a team that can finish second in the division. I'm not saying will finish, but certainly there's no reason to expect that they can't. Let's say the the Saints finish third in the NFC South. Which team are you more worried about? Is it the Panthers or the Falcons? Oh, it would have to be Atlanta. I, I just, I can't see Carolina cl- figuring it out that quickly with Sam Donald at quarterback and with the second year of Joe Brady and um, and uh, Matt Rule. I, I just don't see it for them at this time. Now, maybe I'll be pleasantly surprised because maybe the reconnection between Sam Donald and Robbie Anderson is all that they really needed, but I kind of <laughs> doubt that. Um, and so I think that really for me, it becomes Atlanta's offense still being able to produce with the lateral move, essentially, that could be losing this uh, career, you know, near the end of his career, Julio Jones, and replacing him with a, you know, a top five tight end, but also just fantastic pass catcher and just a unicorn of sorts when it comes to Kyle Pitts, who could be one of those first and rare tight ends that pans out immediately. But I think that that's what it would take, right? But I think that for New Orleans, which Sean Payton led this defense, still losing some pieces, but still majority being consistent at the core players that are there, your big time playmakers that you have around that you know can turn a, a minus three yard pass into a 54 yard catch and run in, in the case of uh, Alvin Kamara. I think that all of those things and all the pieces that New Orleans has has been able to uh, maneuver here into 2021 around the salary cap should still keep them in that position to where they can compete at the second spot. And maybe even still also, not disappoint, excuse me, but surprise and win the division for the fifth year in a row. I'm just not ready to go that far with them yet. (laughs) Realistic. (laughs) If nothing else, Ross Jackson is realistic. And yeah, I can't wait for those Kyle Pitts versus... CD Deuce matchups. I oh, hope they get mic'd goodness. up for the next few years doing those. They'll never mic CJ up. They're not going to do it. I <laughs> want them to do it, but they'll never do it. <laughs> that is Ross Jackson. You can find him on Twitter at Ross Jackson. Nola, find him every day at Locked On Saints, and he does so much for the network. Ross, I appreciate all the work you do for us behind the scenes and appreciate you joining me here today. Absolutely, my friend. Absolute pleasure to be here with you. Love the show and love what you guys are doing. Grateful I got to be a part of it, but also love listening every day. So thanks for everything that y'all do. Thanks again to Ross. Thanks everybody for listening. Matt Williamson, back from vacation with me here tomorrow to finish the week. Talk to you then right here, Peacock and Williamson.